0: The following podcast is a presentation of Liberty Christian Fellowship, loving God and loving people in a hurting world. For more information about our church, visit us online at libertyobx.com. You can also like us on Facebook or follow us on Twitter and Instagram for updates and encouragement. We hope this message inspires you and blesses you. Now prepare your hearts to hear a powerful word from God. God bless. Uh, I was going to wait out the rain, and uh, it didn't want to cooperate. So then I remembered that I had an umbrella in the back of my uh, little forerunner. so I decided to uh, move my seat back as far as I could, crawl over the seat, and get into the back to get my <laughs> umbrella. Somewhere between the front seat to back seat, I got hung. And... Uh, Cheryl, I think, had an umbrella up here, and she was going to come help me. And I thought for a few minutes she was going to have to unplug me uh, from between the two seats. But I managed to extricate myself before she went out there to get me. So I got stretched, even before I got in the house this morning. And uh, I discovered in my journey with Jesus that stretching is part of the deal. I don't know where you are in your walk right now, but my guess is that God's got some stuff along the way that's going to stretch you a little bit. Even if it's not looking for an umbrella to keep the rain off, uh, you might be looking for something to allow your journey to be just a little bit better. And I just want to suggest to you before we get into the scripture this morning, that the thing that you need uh, for your journey to get better is just deeper intimacy with Jesus. To really press in, to press in to that relationship with Jesus. And the Holy Spirit is really all about bringing you into that deeper place with Jesus. We know that Jesus came not only to redeem us, to die on the cross for us, to buy us back, to give us entry into heaven. But we also know that Jesus came as the express image of the Father so that He wanted to reveal the Father's heart to us. At the same time, we know that the Holy Spirit came on the day of Pentecost to empower the children of God, to empower them to be about the work of the ministry and to empower them to be in this natural realm those representatives and tools, or if you will, that God would use to reveal His kingdom. But one of the interesting things to me is that Father, Son, and Holy Spirit really are working together so that as the people of God, as we journey through this realm, we would understand that we've got a God who wants us to know Him, that is always inviting us to a deeper place with Him, than we've ever been before. So wherever you are in your journey this morning, there's a deeper place. Wherever you've been, there's a deeper place. And when you get down the road another few years, there'll be a deeper place because God is always calling you into a deeper knowledge of himself. Now, having said that, I'm going (laughs) to offer you a passage of scripture that uh, sometimes I'm reluctant to touch uh, on a Sunday morning Because you don't have the amount of time that you need to unpack it fully. Uh, But sometimes I think maybe it's good on a Sunday morning to throw out some things that folks can go home and try to unpack for themselves. So that's what I'm going to do with this this morning. So as I walk through it, if you scratch your head and say, "Dag, I didn't get that. Or if you say, "Mm, I know how that fits together. Just know that uh, ahead of time, I'm telling you, you might want to go home and spend some time with it, and just let the Lord help you unpack it. You all right? Okay. Uh, some years ago, somewhere around 1979, uh, 1980, uh, I had uh, been invited to do uh, a camp up in Pennsylvania, and there was a Presbyterian pastor named Jim Brown who was the keynote speaker, and um, fascinating guy, loved the Lord, just incredibly articulate, not only with Scripture, but he was very articulate about his relationship with the Lord. It was almost like as he talked about his relationship with the Lord, you just felt yourself being drawn in uh, to that kind of thing, and it was really a, a growth time. So for me, it was a beautiful growth time, and this is the passage that he dealt with that day. And I did what I just said you might wanna do. I heard it and said, tag, that didn't all compute for me. But I went home and began to really press into it and see what God was saying to me. And it really, really challenged me. So I'm gonna leave it with you this morning. This is out of Hebrews uh, in chapter 12. There's an incredible challenge thrown down. Uh, what's happening with Hebrews is that the writer of Hebrews is trying to help a Jewish culture understand that what's being offered in Jesus and what's being offered in the new covenant is better than the covenant that they had with with God through Abraham. He's not saying to them, your old covenant's bad, Uh, it's not worth anything. He was just saying, here's something better. Here's something better that God's got for you. And as he unfolds this thing throughout the book of Hebrews, there are a number of places where he challenges us, like I'm sharing with you this morning, to really just get a hold of it and then let it sort of work on the inside and see what God says to us about it. But now in chapter 12, he's drawing us to a place that really kind of focuses in on what we might call a public gathering, what we might call church what we might call community what we might call family he's focusing in on what god offers us through christ jesus as we come together as the body of christ as we come together as our father's family as we come together as church there's just something special about that and over the years on a personal level one of the beautiful things for me was to grow as a worshiper, to, to learn to really be free in my worship before the Lord and, and, and not apologize for it, but not try to be offensive, but just be free in it. And it really began on a personal level for me in that I, I grew up in the Methodist church, and those of you who've heard my testimony, uh, you know, I preached for 12 years before I got saved, So I did a lot of sitting on the pew without much interaction with Jesus. You understand what I'm saying? You you do, don't you? uh, But as I grew in my relationship with him, I grew in the sense of awe, the sense of amazement at who God really is and, and who Jesus reveals him to be through the Holy Spirit in my life. So that I found myself being drawn into a deeper and, and more intimate place with him. And I discovered that the Holy Spirit really was all about drawing me into that so that I not only could understand who I was as my father's son, but that I could become a worshiper, that I could walk through life not just doing the deal, not just going through the program, but where I could really become A worshiper and then as I began to grow on a personal level I began to have a deeper appreciation for what it meant to come together as a family and have corporate worship so that when I get here with you guys this morning I'm jacked up about it because we get to do this together it's not just Johnny sitting somewhere by himself reading the book which is great but it's coming together with my brothers and sisters that I'm journeying with. And together, we're getting in the house and saying, Father, we adored you. We love you. It's so good to be your kids. It's so good to be in the house. And then we sing songs that declare what we've been given through Christ Jesus. And, and the Holy Spirit works to draw us together while we're having this time together. And whether we understand it or not, there are some amazing, incredible things that God is doing in our lives when we come together like this corporately. We may not understand it today, we might not get it tomorrow, but you can trust this, the Holy Spirit is taking our obedience of coming together, and He's using it as an avenue to work in our lives and to do something absolutely amazing. So now, as the writer of Hebrews is trying to say to a Hebrew culture or a Jewish culture, this is better. What you've been doing is good, but what you're being offered is better. Now, what I'm going to do is pick up here in this passage around verse um, verse 14, and then I'm going to skip down and uh, pick up with verse 18 after just reading a couple of verses. But start with verse 14, chapter 12, in the book of Hebrews. Make every effort to live in peace with all men, and to be holy. Without holiness, no one will see God. See to it that no one misses the grace of God, and that no bitter root grows up to cause trouble and defile. And then he goes on to say, here's some things that you need to to stay away from. See to it that no one is sexually immoral or is godless like Esau, who for a single meal sold his inheritance rights as the oldest son. Afterward, as you know, when he wanted to inherit this blessing, he was rejected. He could not bring about uh, uh, no change of mind, though he sought the blessing with tears. And, And what the writer of Hebrews is saying here is, look, as we walk this thing out, we are faced with decisions along the way. And all of our decisions have consequences. And in and, and the vernacular of some of us who necessarily don't always take uh, ecclesiastical language and use it, uh, sometimes you get the horse out of the barn, you can't get it back in the barn. There are consequences with our decisions. But what he's wanting to get to down here is that you can deal with the consequences that you have to walk through based on your decision-making through corporate worship. That if you have a mess in your life and you decide to get isolated and think somehow that just you and God can go off here in a corner and the two of you can just handle it together, you very quickly discover that there's really no place for lone rangers in the body. I need you and you need me, whether we each know it or not, because we're part of the same body. And there are blessings that God wants to release in our lives that unless we step into that corporate experience, we don't experience those blessings. So all along for me and my journey, I've been discovering in more profound ways, I need you. We need each other. And that as we recognize that and see our need to come together to worship together. God does some amazing things in our lives. Now this is what he's getting ready to touch down here as you come to verse 18. Now this is what the writer is saying will happen. When you decide that you want to enter into a corporate worship setting. Like for example we're doing this morning. You come into the house. Thank you, baby. We're part of the same as as the product sometimes of just getting old, but thank you so much, that you've decided to come into the house. We don't all come with the same agenda. Uh, Some we come, we want to hear a word taught or preached. Some we want to watch the kids with flags, which is one of my favorite things, by the way. Uh, some of us just, we have friends we love and we like to be in the same place with them, lifting up the name of Jesus. Some of us like to hear the praise team. But the thing that we need to have in common is our need to join together in worship. Uh, I, I do and have done a number of weddings over the years. One of the things I always tell people at a wedding. wedding is that this is not a spectator sport. What we're doing here today in a wedding, this is a worship time. This is a worship occasion. It's a worship experience. So when we come into the house like this, there may be different things on our agenda, but at the foremost place in our agenda should be we've come to worship Him. We've come into the house to worship Him. As we do that corporately, Here's some of what this writer is saying. I'm going to read through it, and then I'm going to go back to it and just point out some things, and then I'll quit. And then you can figure it out for yourself. <laughs> you all right? What a good crew here this morning. Um, if you see me dodging, I got so excited I about ripped a page out this morning. <laughs> and so trying to hold this thing, the page keeps flopping, and so you all stay with me on this. Verse 22. Now, in verse 22, he begins, he's responding to what he just said in the the immediately uh, preceding verses, where in the wilderness, when Moses had had the folk out there, some two, three million Jews out in in the wilderness, their relationship with God was clouded. In fact, the way that God would visit is that he would visit in the clouds and come down on the mountain, and then Moses would go up and speak with him, and then he would come down and tell the people what God had to say. Now one of the reasons that Moses did this was because everybody else was scared to go, because they knew that holiness was a big deal. And they had this understanding that when God came to visit in the cloud on the mountain, that Even if an animal went up there, if the animal touched the mountain, the animal was going to die. So they weren't really enthused about going up the mountain to meet with God because they knew they were going to die. So they decided to Moses, they said, look, you go, come back, tell us what he said. So that was kind of the relationship uh, that they had. Now, remember now, the writer of Hebrews is trying to say to a Jewish culture, what you had with God was good. But what you got now through Christ Jesus is better, okay? So where before they were afraid to get into his presence and where before they were afraid to go up the mountain and they needed someone to go and bring it back to them, here's what the writer says now, you've been introduced to because of what Jesus has done. In verse 22, but you have come to Mount Zion to the city of the living God, to the city of the heavenly Jerusalem. You have come to thousands upon thousands of angels and joyful assembly. You've come to the church of the firstborn, whose names are written in heaven. You have come to God, the judge of all men, to the spirits of righteous men made perfect, to Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant, and to the sprinkled blood that speaks a better word than the blood of Abel. So see to it that you do not refuse him who speaks. If they did not escape when they refused him who who warned them on earth, how much less will we if we turn away from him who warns us from heaven? Now, what he's trying to say to these guys is, here's what you're getting now when you come to worship. And this applies this morning, this day just as it did when these words were first spoken here in the, by the writer of Hebrews. He says, you have come to the New Jerusalem. You've come to a city. You've come to the holy place. You've been brought into a community that is beyond the natural realm. What he's saying is when you come to worship, it's not like you're just going out here on the street corner and you've got your eyes on the natural realm. When you come corporately to worship, you come into a place in God that is spiritual. It's spiritual. So many times we get put off in our worship because we don't like the color of the carpet. The lights are too dim. The music's too loud. The kids were throwing up on us on the way to church. We come into the house and we are captured by the natural when truthfully worship is a spiritual experience. You understand? So that we come into the house, really to enter into a spiritual experience, but we've got so much of the natural stuff hanging on us that it's hard to press into worship. For example, if you put on decent clothes, you left the house this morning, and you got drenched before you got in the car, and you got drenched when you got out of the car, and then you come into an air-conditioned building and you're freezing. It might be that that natural can keep you from experiencing the spiritual. Do you understand? So good lighting, stained glass windows, pretty carpet, soft chairs, all of those things are nice to have, right? but they're there to help us get past the natural so that we can press into the spiritual. What we encounter in our corporate worship is a spiritual experience. Have you ever had your time together in a setting like this, disrupted because the people behind you were talking? Or the folks in front of you kept goosing the baby have you had things distract you so that it was hard to press into the worship? Okay. What the writer's saying is, that's on us. We've got to be willing to press past the natural and understand that this encounter with God is a spiritual happening. And when we come together corporately, there are some things offered to us when we press in. One of the things is that you've come to thousands upon thousands of angels. I don't know how many of you believe in angels. You don't have to raise your hand. Uh, I do. All you've got to do is run into one or two, and you'll be a believer. But I'll let you work that out with the Lord. But what he's saying is, hey, God has provided for you. And when you come into worship, and you're serious about it, and you press in, hey, Angels are real, and you've come to the place in worship where you are before the throne of grace, and there are thousands upon thousands of angels up there. Have you ever come into a service like this and looked for angels? Have you ever felt that there was one here? Am I messing with your theology? What he's saying here is what you had was good, but what you got is better because now when you come together corporately, it's not just you that you're dealing with yourself and other folks sitting around you. You come into the place where there are thousands upon thousands of angels. But so often we're so captured by the natural that we can't accommodate the supernatural. And what makes it difficult is because we're out here every day six days working in the natural and now we're separating ourselves and coming into this place corporately coming together and we're supposed to come into that place where there are thousands upon thousands of angels regardless of your theology about angels what the writer here is saying is god's provided a place for you where he's introducing you to aspects of his kingdom that you might miss out here in the natural realm, but which you can experience when you come together corporately to worship Him. says that we've come to a place where there are those who have gone on before us, which is really kind of cool. I think of some of the people just in this church that knew God, loved God, and have gone on before us. Now, I'm not standing up here on the platform talking to you about ghosties and goblins. I'm just saying, hey, the folks that have gone before us are more alive than we are. And when we come together in corporate worship, they join together with us around the throne of grace. Now, don't run down here to the next church and tell pastor down there, there's a weird guy down here at Liberty. When I come into a place like this, I cannot forget some of the folks that I know who've gone on before me. And there are times when I come together and worship, like as we were entering in and singing No Longer Slaves, I can sense the presence of some of those who've gone home before us. Not ghosties, just saints, that when we come together around the throne of grace, we join together with the others who are worshiping there. Hear me. There's not two churches. There's not a church in heaven and a church on earth. It's just one church. And when you get saved, you enter into an eternal life an eternal fellowship. And what the writer of Hebrews is saying is, hey, guys, when you come together corporately to worship, you get before the throne of grace. And when you do, there are other people before the throne of grace. You might not see them with your eyes, but they're there at the throne of grace worshiping. Is that not cool? Uh Uh-huh, I can tell. Talking about benefits of worship. I've told the story a number of times that the key person that led me to the Lord was an alcoholic that prayed for me when he was drunk that I had been ministering to for over two years who had gotten on my last nerve who would show up at night in the middle of the night and bring gifts for my wife along with the food that he wanted her to cook for him in the middle of the night. And I worked with Jim Saxty for over two years and told him not to call me when he was drunk and not to uh, come to my house in the middle of the night bearing gifts and not to try to tell me his story again and again because I knew it better than he did because I was sober hearing it. But on one occasion in the middle of the night my phone rings and we answer it. And it's Jim Saxty. And he's up at the church where I was an associate pastor. And the senior pastor led him in the church so that he could call me. So that the senior pastor could go back to bed. So when I go up to the church to see Jim Saxty, uh, he's drunk. And so we start talking. And we get to that place where I say, dude. I've heard this story. I know it better than you do. I'm done. I'm gone. And he said, Let's pray. I said, Good. He said, I want to pray. And I said, This will really be good. So he prayed for his own salvation and he prayed for mine. I went home, went to bed. And then I got a phone call run an alcoholic rehab place downtown dc and it was jim saxton and he was down there trying to get in and folks down there wanted me to come down and help so i went down jim saxton got in he was sober for nine months and then he died with a cerebral hemorrhage but during that nine months god did an amazing thing in his life he even came down to the little church I was pastoring at a little place outside of Wilson, North Carolina called Elm City. Uh, he came down there. There was a sort of drying out place, detox place on the corner from the church. He came down, spent a month or so just sharing there at that little detox place. And then I get a message that Jim Saxty's died. And then I get a letter the day after he died it was written before he died, obviously. <laughs> and in the letter, he was simply saying, buddy, he called me buddy, he said, buddy, you know, it's been so good to learn how to live before I die. And I'm telling you, there are times when we're in worship, I can sense Jim to being in the house. I know he's not running around here with a little white sheet But I know he's part of the celebration around the throne. You you don't just come into the house in corporate worship. There are multiple millions (laughs) of us around the throne. Scripture there says that we also come to a house where there is the name of the firstborn, those who have been born again, that are written in the Lamb's book of life. What that simply means is this, whatever you're looking at right now in the house, right here in Liberty right now, whatever whatever we are, 40, 50 people, 60 people, whatever, the enemy would have you to believe that what you're looking at is all that there is. But when you come together in corporate worship, you've got to understand there's more than what you see. That when we come together like this and worship, we need to be reminded that there are multiple millions of us around this world out here, multiple millions of people who are the fathers, sons, and daughters, so that we should not be discouraged by what we see in the natural. We need to be encouraged by what we know in the Spirit. I've watched church after church after church fold its doors because they looked at what was there in the natural and never saw what what was available in the spirit. We've got to be able to understand that it's not just about you, not just about me, it's about us. It's about the family of God. And we have family all over the world coming together to worship. We need to be encouraged by that. So what am I saying to you? I'm saying, hey, if you want to worship floating on your back, going down the stream somewhere, if you want to lay across the surfboard and kick your legs and move your arms and say, man, ain't this good with God, it is. And you can worship God anywhere you are, anytime you want to, and in truth, The way you live your life should be an act of worship. Every day, everywhere you are. But there is something distinctly special about coming together like this and worshiping together as the Lord draws us together as his family into the throne room and releases for us what he has. And one last thing. Scripture says that we also, when we come into worship like this, we come to Jesus. The mediator of a new covenant, we come to Jesus. It may sound simplistic to some people, but for me, when I come through that door, I want to see Jesus if Jesus ain't here I'm going home I have no need to be here if it ain't about Jesus I want to come through the door with an expectancy that today I'm going to have an encounter with Jesus why one because he's the one that died for me (laughs) and he's the one that's gonna get me to the house But also because that encounter with Jesus is always supernatural. Always supernatural. When we come into corporate worship like this, there should be an expectancy that we're going to encounter Jesus here today. And you know what that means? That means when we come together corporately like this, we can come with an expectancy that something supernatural is going to happen. The miraculous ought to be the natural flow of what happens when we worship. There should be folks healed, spiritually, physically, emotionally, relationally. When we come into the house to worship corporately, healing is in the house. And we should come expecting that, because we are brought into a time with Jesus, who is the mediator of a new covenant. Do you know why sometimes there are more miracles in Zambia than there are in Kill Devil Hills? Because in Zambia, when they come together, they know what they don't have. And they know without him, they ain't got nothing. So when they come together to worship, they're coming to have an encounter with Jesus. And expecting that encounter. And because they're expecting it, the supernatural takes place. My mama, sweet lady, told me a long time ago, Johnny, you don't have to be real bright, but let me tell you this. Most of the time, you're going to get what you expect. Most of the time, what you bring to the table is what you're going to take home with you. But we're given the opportunity in corporate worship to meet with the mediator of a new covenant Jesus, supernatural. Miracles should not be the exception in the house. They should be the norm. All right? Hello, hello. Really? When you go to the doctor, do you just expect to get sick? Say, hello, doctor, I'm going to pay you $250 for my visit with you, but listen. I know I'm going to stay sick, but just keep me that way if you don't mind. I like coming to see you. No, you're going to the doctor because you believe there's some expertise there and some compassion there that's going to provide some help for you. That's why you're going. When I come to Jesus, I'm expecting an encounter with the one who is Lord all. And what I find is that the blessing that I get in corporate worship draws me closer to Jesus, strengthens my expectations, causes me to appropriate more of what He has for me. Did I say one more thing? This is really the last one that I'm going to give you right now. Scripture there simply says that you've come to a sprinkled blood, which is the blood of Jesus sprinkled at Calvary. Which is greater than the shed blood of Abel. Cain. Abel. Same page. Cain and Abel? And the blood of the murdered brother is crying out from the ground accusing the brother. right? Hella. What he simply says is when you come into a house like this in corporate worship, the blood of Jesus cries out more loudly than your misdeeds, than your sin, than your broken relationships, than your lost dreams. That the blood of Jesus cries out on your behalf in the throne room. Simply saying, Daddy, these are your kids. These are your kids, Daddy. And no matter what the world says about you, that the world may say you're not fit to sit on the front row with me and Jamie. (laughs) The world may say that you ain't fit to go in the house, given what you did last night or last week. Really? You going to go to church today? But no matter what the world says, the blood of Jesus is crying out, saying, Daddy, that's one of ours. Daddy, that's who I died for. Daddy, see them through my blood, Daddy. Don't, don't, don't get hung up with their deeds, Daddy. The blood of Jesus crying out on your behalf. You know what that means? That means every Sunday morning if there's somebody unsaved in the house, they need to get saved. If there's anybody in the house living under the condemnation of bad decisions or immoral acts or anything else. They need to understand that they're not a lost cause, that the blood of Jesus has covered them and it's crying out on their behalf so that we ought to leave the house every Sunday with an awareness of the forgiving power of Christ Jesus. Corporate worship is important and it provides so much for us. Now hear me. I'm not standing on this platform saying, you got to be in church every Sunday or else you're messing up. That's not what I'm saying. It's nice if you are, and it's good for you if you do. But that's not what I'm saying. I'm saying we need each other as family. And when we come together as family in worship, as the family of God, there are some things that are promised to us through Scripture that we might not see if we're running around here as Lone Rangers. alrighty. So if you're visiting with Liberty today, find yourself a home in fellowship. If you belong to Liberty here, find yourself a small group. You need one another. Come and gather as the body in worship. We need each other. Don't ever let the enemy call you out and somehow make you think that you can float down the river by yourself and be safe. We need one another. And the blessings of coming together in worship are absolutely amazing. Okay? Y'all good to me. So I told you in the beginning that you might want to go home and unpack some of this for yourself. And you don't necessarily have to come to my conclusions, even though you might not even know what mine are. But God's word is His word, it always speaks. It's His Word for you and for me. So don't refuse what God is saying to you through His Word. Embrace it and let Him work that work in your life that's pleasing to Him and good for us.